Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, June 23rd. We begin with our monthly conversation with Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. As part of our ongoing Safe City series, we asked Deborah her thoughts on the impact increased crime and violence in the city is having on local businesses and what she believes should be done to address the issue from a municipal standpoint. Next, we look at the issue facing newcomers to the city when it comes to dealing with the uptick of crime on city streets. We discuss with Anila Lee Yun, CEO of the Centre for Newcomers. We are all feeling the pinch of higher prices in all areas of our lives, particularly when it comes to the cost of energy. We catch up with Global Calgary reporter Sarah Offen for details on newly announced rebate programs by the federal government aimed at easing the burden on consumers. And finally, with interest rates continuing to rise, what does this mean for homeowners and first-time buyers looking to get into the housing market? We dig into the issue with Sung Lee, rates.ca expert and licensed mortgage agent. Yes, every month we have the chance to speak with the Calgary Chamber about the city's vibrant business community. But how are these businesses being impacted by increased violence and safety concerns on city streets? To discuss, we're joined by Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of Calgary Chamber. Good morning to you, Deborah. Good morning. Well, you know, we've been talking about it and we're doing our Safe City series here, Deborah. And uh, so we thought we'd put the question to you. Is, is the violence that we're seeing on city streets in different communities uh, on transit impacting local businesses? Well, we've been, uh, we have been uh, conducting a number of roundtables in the last uh, several weeks. And that, that ranged from tourism, retail, art, the arts community, uh, the not-for-profits, and the uh, the importance of building a safe and secure city has emerged as a top priority. And we need to address those safety issues, uh, whether they're real or perceived, if we want to bring, you know, that, that vibrancy back and make sure that our, our businesses are successful. And so, you know, what we know is that crime causes, you know, two impacts. One is to causes people to avoid certain areas and B, may cause people to think negatively about the business themselves, itself, uh, reduce the length of stay, repeat visits. Um, and sometimes there's that sort of associative um, experience that we have when we go to, you know, perhaps uh, patronize a business and then we sort of wander along and, and see about what else is in the area. If you're not feeling safe, you're not going to have that associative experience, which also takes away from the, uh, you know, the ability to support our local businesses. Our business, our business owners, Deborah, do, uh, do you hear going to greater lengths to protect their shops, for example, with locks on doors? I know in, in the case of pharmacies, but also maybe, you know, trying to, um, I've heard a couple of cases just in the past week or so of, you know, trucks kind of backing into a, a window and, and then they just take off with all the goods that are front and center. So are they having to sort of beef things up at the businesses? Well, they're looking for ways to make sure that their businesses can stay safe and secure. And I think... What we have to realize too is that there's a really there's a challenge from the perspective of what do you do? How do you make sure that the you know that that the authorities are alerted if there is an incident? And also the the reality too is that their insurance costs are such that if they do claim for those um, um, incidents, their insurance costs go up. And so generally speaking, those businesses who will have experience, let's say a smash and grab or someone who's just smashed their door and not necessarily gone in to grab it, they've, they've broken the doors or the windows. For them, for the businesses to go and uh, claim that means their insurance costs go up. So instead they're paying for that out of pocket. And that also doesn't help from a business viability standpoint because 
generally speaking, you know, it's, it, as we know, it's been tough. And when you have to do something like that as well to to uh, to, to repair somebody who's violated your property, that, that's uh, not helpful. You know, what we've been discussing so far, Deborah, is, you know, the kind of the onus on the business owners. And I think that business owners in general do things for themselves. They get things done. And, of yeah. course, the strength in numbers with the chamber. But I'm wondering, you know, outside of that, what do you believe in what perhaps you're hearing from your partners uh, could be done, you know, from from the government, from 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 uh, the city hall to make so, streets safer. Yeah, I mean, what we need is we need we need to we, we call it going upstream. So we need to collaborate businesses, and we need to businesses need to collaborate with social services, with community security partners, with government to identify and address the systemic issues that are impacting the safety and security of people downtown. And I think what we have to also recognize is that, and this is what we've heard quite loudly is that a lot of the responsibility has been downloaded from the province Mm. to the city to the businesses and what we need is some stronger policies at the provincial level that can support what the municipal government needs to do in in order to address the challenges that businesses are facing right now we also are hearing um, you know very real concerns about transit safety how do we identify gaps in the transit schedules? How do we make sure that Calgarians can use transit to be, you know, safely get to where they need to go? Either whether they're going to, you know, whether they're going to going to work or they're going to, um, you know, they're going to be uh, going to an to a to a to a business to to be able to uh, to 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 take part of their services or buy something. And Deborah, just quickly changing gears before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about this. Um, you're attending the Collision Tech Conference in Toronto this week. What kind of tech investments are coming to Calgary? And does it look good for the tech industry here in our city? So um, what's, it, it is absolutely fascinating what's going on. The amount of traction that Calgary businesses are having from a... Uh, Calgary's on the map for tech right now. We're attracting capital. We're attracting Canadian headquarters for international companies like Emphasis, like, you know, there's there's so many companies that are coming. There's another company called YPRO. They are seeing Calgary as a place where they can set up a shop, where they can attract the talent, where they can bring people here, where they can hire, and they can do it cost-effectively, more cost-effectively than they can in Vancouver or Toronto. A, B, we know that we're very well connected from a, from a, from a, from a airline perspective in terms of where we can, where they can go to service their clients around the world. If you think about where we were a year ago and where we are today, it is a really, really different place from a tech perspective, continuing to track record amounts of capital. And it is a place, you know, just from the collision conversations, um, talking to Calgary businesses who are there who have booths, they're hearing things like, I didn't realize so, so many things are happening in Calgary, really exciting. I am from Calgary. I'm going to come back to Calgary. I didn't realize that there were so many tech opportunities. So we've really flipped the switch on tech and how it not just is an industry itself, but it enables everything across the board from energy to ag to, to clean tech. There's so many um, opportunities in Calgary and people are starting to pay attention in other jurisdictions and in other cities. I mean, Mayor Gondek was speaking at Collision twice uh, and people are interested in what we're doing. It's a great story. Well, it's also good to end on a positive note there. Mm-hmm. We like the the positive shine with that news. Thanks so much, yep, Deborah. Definitely. Thank you so much. That is Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of Calgary Chamber, uh, online at calgarychamber.com. What's fueling the rise of crime and social disorder in our city? Is there anything we can do about it? 770 CHQR presents an in depth conversation making Calgary a safe city.
Yes, our safe city does continue this morning looking at the challenges and safety issues facing newcomers to the city of Calgary. Joining us to discuss is Anila Lien, CEO of the Center for Newcomers. Good morning to you, Anila. Good morning. Thank you for taking the time with us. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, from, from what you do on a day-to-day basis, would you consider Calgary a safe place for newcomers? Well, I think I think generally uh, Calgary is is quite safe. You know, when when we do comparatives to you know other places around the world and and you know other places even in 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 the in the country in in Canada. But but I think there's also you know a lot of nuances around that and certain. Um, times and spaces and and certainly when we start talking about systemic discrimination there's still you know racism there's still all those issues and and during covid we saw that really starting to get heightened so you know i think generally overall you know we're we're pretty good but there's still a lot of improvements that need to happen when you talk to some of the newcomers that are you know coming here to this city and and hoping to start a new life is it pretty quick that they experience racism or discrimination or is it sort of a you know a kind of insidious thing that takes a little bit of time or what kind of feedback do you get from people you know i i really think that you know i I find that it really is dependent on um the you know the the situation and 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 how out there I guess people really are mm-hmm. right. So um, we we find that it it really is dependent on uh, the community that people are in. So if you're in a in a in a community that's extremely diverse, it will be a, a little bit you know it's more rare to right away um, be able to to see that. And you know there's there isn't really that much blatant type of racism or discrimination that we'll see. But um, the 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 kind of the pieces that are more um, not blatant, right? Those 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 kind of pieces that that we might call um, or that we do call microaggressions, or or just um, ways that people are going to react to you. Um, those I find um, newcomers may even take some time to see those cues. So someone like myself, who's racialized, um, born and raised in Calgary, you know, I can pick up those cues a lot quicker when, oh, this person doesn't like me, you know, or this is, you know, this is going to be an awkward situation or, or, or this is a dangerous situation much quicker than somebody that is new and maybe um, doesn't know culturally what some of those uh, cues are if it's not blatant. Mm-hmm. Well, the Center for Newcomers, Anila, we, we understand what you do, and you do some great work. Uh, one, uh, you know, entity or your organization that we're talking about here, but are there enough resources and supports available for newcomers to make them feel safe and at home in our city besides the Center for Newcomers? Do you think we need more resources? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I think it, it really is, you know, we, we've got a number of wonderful you know, agencies that, that work collaboratively together, the Immigrant Services, Calgary and Immigrant Education Society, Calgary Bridge Foundation for Youth, you know, we're, we're all working together. And then we've got other organizations that serve all Calgarians, like the Calgary Public Library or the, you know, YMCA, you know, uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters, the Trellis, you know, we've got all these um, wonderful organizations that, that work with us, you know, Women in Need Society, um, that, that are serving newcomers as well. Um, the the issue lies in when we talk about safety 
the issue really lies in specific programming that can that can assist in terms of first you know physical safety in in terms of buildings and in terms of those kind of spaces to ensure that there's actual physical safety um and then the the other pieces are really around um education for the community right um we've got a wonderful organization here in calgary called action dignity and um they do a lot of work on anti-racism on um you know uh, systemic discrimination and uh you know that type of education for the communities i think is extremely important and also for for newcomers to understand you know some of these um you know microaggressions or or some of the unconscious bias that might be affecting um newcomers and and especially when they're really brand new may not even know that that's what's happening and then it's only you know we hear like a year or two down the line they're like oh you know i didn't understand that that's what was happening at first and now i get it and you like curious you know for those of us who don't sort of live in this world when we talk about newcomers where are most of these folks coming from right now is it sort of from the ukraine um and how many newcomers would we see to our city on a regular basis Sure. So um, when it comes to to newcomers on a, you know, we've got a couple of different um, categories of of people that come in. So typically, the majority of people that are coming in are coming in as immigrants. So they went through a point system where, you know, they had certain skills, they speak English or French already. And, um, you know, we, we really need them in terms of our economy, right? So, so they've got skill sets and they, you know, or job skills that, that we really require across Canada. And so that's the majority of people that we see. Um, you know, pre-COVID, it was about 350,000 that were coming into the country. And amongst that 350,000, the majority of them were people that are coming in as immigrants and then bringing in their families as well with them. So there's a primary person that's coming in um, as a permanent resident, and then they can bring their family with them as well. So some people are coming in as family class. Um, In terms of refugees coming in, you know, it was very, very small. So if there's 350,000, maybe 35,000 are coming in as refugees. And so when we look at, at, at immigrants, majority of them are coming from the big countries like India, China, Philippines, you know, those kind of places. Um, but when we talk about refugees, it really is dependent on, on the global crises going on, right? So Afghanistan, Syria, um, Somalia, um, South Sudan, um, continuously, we still do uh, see some people from there, Eritrea. So places like that is, is where we're really seeing them from. Um, you know, we've got a little bit of an, well, a big issue when it comes to our Ukrainian community because they haven't been designated by the federal government as refugees. They're considered temporary residents. Mm. So the implication there is they're expected to go back within one to three years. The problem with that, of course, is that our Ukrainian um, community um, are dealing with the exact same issues that anyone else that is displaced is dealing with in their, you know, uh, that's a refugee and, and is displaced by war. Many people, unfortunately, don't have a city to go back to. And we're not sure they're going to have a country, really, to be able to go back to. So um, so currently, the largest population that we are seeing coming in are Ukrainian community members. Mm-hmm. But 
there are very little supports available for them because they're expected to start working right away. Um, and they've gone through war trauma. They've gone through all kinds of, you know, awful, awful, um, you know, crimes against humanity and, um, and and require a lot of support that unfortunately we we just don't get from you know our from from our government in in terms of of that kind of uh, funding and that kind of, of resources. Yeah, and so you know, we do require a lot from the community. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to uh, some great points. We're gonna have to leave it there for time this morning. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. It's uh, Anila Lien. CEO for the Center for Newcomers here in Calgary and details online, centerfornewcomers.ca. And it looks like the electricity rebates announced by the UCP government more than three months ago are finally on their way. With some details, we're joined this morning by Global News reporter Sarah Offen. Hi, Sarah. So many rebates. So many rebates, and we'll take them all. Break it down for us, would you? We have you still, Sarah. Are you there? Sorry, I lost you there for a second. I, I said, I agree with you. There are so many rebates and we will take <laughs> each and every one of them. Uh, can you yeah. break them down? What's coming our way? Yeah, so the first of all, the fuel tax uh, relief is going to continue. That's that 13 cents a liter that we're still seeing at the pump. That's going to continue until at least September. So yes, that 191.9 that I'm looking at this morning at three gas stations, that is actually that discounted price we would otherwise be paying a 203, 204 if it were not for that continuing. Um, and that at a cost of about one point, what was the the... The, the federal government had said that that was, um, sorry, in the last provincial budget, they said that it was going to cost us uh, about $1.3 billion according to the 2022 budget. So it's not free, uh, but of course, we're getting more money from royalties to the province um, making that concession. And then, of course, there's the electricity rebates. This is a long-awaited program um, it, that. The, the feds of it, or sorry, the, the province has announced. So it's going to be $150 total in rebates. We'll start seeing that um, next month. So in July, on your July energy bill, you'll get that $50 rebate. And then again, um, for uh, the next two months. So there's that. And then there's also the natural gas rebates. We don't really know anything about this yet, um, but we know that they're the province is trying to address the, the high heating costs. So that's expected to come into effect in October, um, but we don't have any details. We are just told that they will be announced soon and that that program will continue through until March of 2023. Just before we let you go, Sarah, obviously we've got the break at the pumps from the provincial government. There's talk in the states about doing a gas tax holiday federally. Any talk of seeing something like that implemented in addition to our provincial uh, rebates or, uh, you know, a break at the pumps? Well, I mean, certainly um, the premier has been pushing for the feds to, to do something to, to mirror what is happening provincially. But so far, it doesn't sound like um, the prime minister is going to bite on it. So we will wait and see whether or not there's any relief that's provided federally. But, um, you know, in the meantime, we're looking at um, an average of 189 in uh, around Alberta, 203 or 204 that we're seeing um, across Canada. So certainly we're seeing the benefit of that relief, um, that tax relief here in the province. Um, yeah, wait and see if uh, the Fed will, will do a similar move there. We're all waiting with bated breath, that's for sure. Thanks for the <laughs> update, Sarah. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Sarah Offen, Global News Reporter.
Inflation and the recent Bank of Canada rate hikes have left homeowners concerned they won't be able to continue paying their mortgages. With Insight, we are joined by Sung Lee, rates.ca expert and licensed mortgage agent. Good morning to you, Sung. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good. Sung, and, and the timing couldn't be better. Hearing news that inflation has reached 7.7% in our nation, the highest has been in nearly four decades. Of course, those interest rates when it comes to mortgages are moving on up. How are homeowners impacted by the inflation rates and, of course, the rate hikes period when it comes to mortgages? What are you hearing from clients? Well, yeah, obviously, you know, with those, with those inflation numbers, that just means that overall everything's become more expensive. So we see it at the gas pumps, at the grocery stores. And so what that translates into is that the Bank of Canada will have to become a, even more aggressive in, in future rate hikes. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do about it, right? It is what it is. So what kind of advice do you give your clients, the homeowners out there who are trying to manage through this, manage their expenses, manage their mortgage payments, et cetera? Well, I would say uh, to homeowners to you know not jump the gun because there is a lot of chatter about homeowners feeling that uh, they're going to be stretched to the point where they'll have to sell their properties. Uh, so it's important to know that there are options out there for homeowners. You know, whether that means you know having to temporarily stretch out your mortgage amortization to get your payments back on track or transferring high interest rate balances onto your home equity line of credit, which typically offers a much lower interest rate than other products, or simply refinancing everything into one manageable mortgage payment. Sung, nobody has a crystal ball, but this is your world. This is your business. How high can we go? Are there any forecasts about where those mortgage rates will end up? And and, and where are we now about average for a five-year fixed? Uh, so five-year fixed rates right now will reach anywhere from about 4.5% to 5.5%. So depending on if it's a purchase or a refinance. Um, so, you know, no one likes to predict interest rates and how high they'll go. But, you know, I think there is room for interest rates um, to go up another one and a half to two and a half percent between you know, now and the end of next year. So you've talked about a couple of things that people can do to make it a little better. Is there anything that, you know, we should be aware of that we, we shouldn't do? Shouldn't do? Um, well, I guess the first thing is, again, don't panic. You know, don't think that your only option is to sell your home, um, especially if this is your principal residence and somewhere that you want to live long term. Um, my recommendation would be to sit down with a mortgage professional who has access to a wide array of products uh, and to see what solutions are out there to improve your current cash flow situation and get you back on track if if needed. Do you you still get the sense that people out there don't understand that they can shop for the best rate, shop for the best institution through a mortgage broker and and perhaps uh, they didn't have that savvy even 10, 15 years ago to, to realize that we have choice besides the major banks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are uh, consumers out there that are so accustomed to just dealing with their bank for all of their uh, financial service needs. And so, you know, they think that that's the only option. Yet there could be other lenders that, you know, will qualify at the contract rate versus a higher rate uh, than your bank uh, requires you to. Uh, There may be lenders that not only offer a 30-year amortization, but may go all the way to a 40-year amortization. And so speaking to a broker that has access to not only banks, but credit unions and other mortgage lenders would be uh, 
um, my recommendation. I'm just wondering, and I don't want to put you on the spot, Sung, but if you were to get a slightly better rate, like a half or a quarter of a percentage point off from one lender to another, uh, when we talk about a mortgage worth, like, for example, $500,000, that can be a big difference, can it? Do you know what kind of an impact that would be in a month, for example? Uh, depending on the mortgage size, so a half point difference would be about $26 for every 100000 Ooh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. It adds up, I guess. Absolutely. And so if, if people have questions, it's easy to get in touch with someone like you, Sung, and, and get some answers? Yes, absolutely. And what I would recommend is, you know, go to a website like rate.ca, which is a marketplace and it offers uh, all the best mortgage rates across Canada. But in addition to that, you can also look for uh, insurance products and credit cards. So, you know, during a time where everything is expensive, you know, any place where you could find some savings, uh, you know, Race.ca will be able to provide that, that opportunity. Perfect. Sung Lee, thank you so much. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Sung Lee, Rates.ca, expert licensed mortgage agent. Again, the website, pretty simple, Rates.ca. Rates.ca, that's Sung Lee. Um, and, uh, you know, I did a re-up on my mortgage a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, oh boy, it's certainly not my first mortgage. I've, I've moved more than any human being on the face <laughs> of the earth, all right? But um, I'd never had so many hoops to jump through in my entire life. And I'm not yeah. 20 years old and I've had several mortgages. Boy, they don't make it easy. And I would suggest to you, as these rates go up, which we've talked so much about on this program... Uh, that you think, okay, well, I'm still going to wait till no, no, lock in yes. because who knows? What's the lock in? Three months, six months? Three months to six months. Uh, institutions yeah. can vary these things. Yeah. Just do it. It doesn't cost anything. It kind of parks a rate for you. And if it goes up a couple more times in the meantime, boy, that could hit you in the pocketbook. Do you know what happens? So if I lock in for three months and the three months is coming due, will they extend the lock in? Nope. No, nope, it's it. a three-month thing. They'd lock you in again, but chances are it's at, at a higher rate. If the rate's lower, no big deal. You've got that lower rate. You've got the rate that was the lowest, and you bump it down, but they don't go the other way. Oddly enough, the banks and the institutions don't They're out money. to make money, Andy? They are out to make some moolah, some crazy dollars. Who now, knew? thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.